The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. On today's episode, I talked to Robin Schooling, a dear friend of mine who works in human resources. I've been avoiding an episode on HR because honestly, well, they have a bad reputation for fixing work. But Robin is no traditional guest or HR executive. She's breaking stereotypes around the globe. Robin is America's HR lady, the VP of HR at Hollywood Casino Baton Rouge, and an advocate of the workforce revolution. Today's episode will challenge your thinking about HR and show you how it can be a force of good to fix work. At the very least, I think you'll fall in love with Robin like I have. So sit tight, everybody, and I'll be right back with Robin Schooling, America's HR lady, and more of Let's Fix Work. Work is broken. So is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is breaking things down so you can put them back together and make work something you can enjoy. Let's fix work together. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. My dear friend Robin Schooling is an HR executive who has keynoted conferences and coached HR employees around the world. She's awesome. And I asked Robin to tell us a little bit about herself and whether or not work is broken. I'm Lori Rudiman, and I'm here today with one of my dearest friends in the world. It's human resources leader and executive and really America's HR lady, Robin Schooling. <laughs> Robin, how are you doing today? Hi, Lori. I am, uh, I'm doing good. I, um, I'm sitting here, here in America's uh, HR office, actually, <laughs> as we're talking. Good, good. Uh, do you have a nice view? Is your view in America's HR office pretty great? Like, what are you looking at? Um, actually, uh, no, I really don't. I have the view, I have a view of our, um, our patron parking lot here at the casino, which, you know, can be quite amusing sometimes, depending upon if people are coming or going. I can, I can see some entertaining things. Absolutely. I'm sure you can. Well, for those of you who don't know Robin, and Robin, I've done a little introduction of you before joining us. Why don't you just quickly sum up who you are and what you do and why I call you America's HR lady? <laughs> well, I, uh, uh, I have worked in, in HR for, um, I, I almost hate to, to say how many years because I, I've tended yeah. to start to take um, you Just know, years few. off my age right. and things. Yeah. Um, well, over 20 years, we'll say yeah. that. And um, really have always been in-house. I, I started in an agency, but did that for one year and then went, went in-house and, you know, traversed industries from, you know, very corporate buttoned up, you know, banking and healthcare um, academia environments to um, to gaming to third party logistics. I've been in warehouses. You know, my workforce um, did logistics. I'm I'm on my second casino now, and I've I've run HR departments of one, and I've been a 
a cog in the wheel of large global mm-hmm. uh, HR teams as well. So I think I've, uh, I've pretty much done it all in HR. And I think one of the reasons I, I kind of like the moniker America's HR lady, it, you and I, Lori, are very similar in that we like to um, we like to go out and talk to people that are doing the work, doing doing the work in HR. And you know, I hear I have my own stories, but I hear a lot of stories, and and I love getting into conversations with with my HR peers about what their day to day is like, what are they facing, what what's happening in their organizations, and you know, I think even before we started to talk about let's fix work, we were looking at, I certainly was looking at, well, how do we make, how do we fix HR? How do we make HR better? Because I think that's sort of a core, core piece of fixing work can be making HR better. Yeah, I think you're right. And for me, I have a philosophy that we fix work by fixing ourselves, but that's not enough. We have to fix leadership and drive accountability. Mm -hmm. And so I've talked to Vince Molinaro about that. And also we have to fix human resources, which is why I brought you on the show today because we, Robin, we have so many friends who love HR and if you cut them open, they bleed HR. They just love it. Yes. So I've been hesitant to bring those individuals on the show because I think there are some fundamental things that are wrong with HR. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but I want to make sure you and I are on the same page that work is broken. Do you do you believe that? I um, and, and here's where I put on my 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 happy hat a little bit. I think work is sitting in the ER. You know, we have a chance of recovery when when we treat the symptoms the right way. And and thinking about it, it's like, you know, work work is like a like a hemophiliac. You know, we're prone to bleeding very quickly. <laughs> we're prone to bruising. <laughs> right. You know, where the hemoph- work is the hemophiliac that's bumped into too many pieces of furniture, fallen down one too many flights of stairs and and you know, we're bleeding and 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 continue to get broken. And and I think we got there you know, just like a, a hemophiliac, you know, so you're you're for so many years, we thought that work was safely wrapped in this kind of protective cocoon. You know, employers, for the most part, you know, I look back at my career, employers did whatever they wanted, for the most part, kind of, you know, fell through the good times, um, you know, from, the, you know, the employer perspective, they thought that would never end. You know, and then we hit 2008. And um, even though things had started to sort of shift in the workplace by then, 2008 comes, the financial crisis, everybody hunkers down and employers kind of got back into this mindset of, oh, well, see, um, you know, we're, we're kind of on top of it now. And the employees, job seekers, whatever, they need us more, you know, more than we need them. So we're kind of in charge again. Well, things are shifting now. Um, oh, yeah, they're shifting. You Absolutely. know, changing demographics, economic factors people expecting um, employees and job seekers expecting, you know, a different type of, of psychological contract with their job. And, and now those, those old school managers and, and when I say old school, that's not necessarily age dependent, by the way, I, I see 30 year olds with sort of old school management thinking have to really take a, a deep look inside and say, uh, is the way that we're presenting 
our employment experiences, the way that we are treating people at work still still going to continue to work. And they're quickly, very quickly finding out that um, the answer is no. And that's everything from, you know, oh, I just had a conversation not that long ago with the manager who still has that old view of, oh, well, a job hopper. Oh, well, Sally only only worked there at every job for three or four years. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I want to consider her. Oh my God. And, three to four years is a life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, so here I come, you know, and I'm pulling out all, well, here, let me show you this research that shows the average tenure at jobs now. And, you know, really, are you really saying that? And, oh my God, you're, oh. you're thinking like it's 1962. This was a manager in their early forties. This yeah. is not some crusty old guy with a cigar, but monopoly kinda, boss. Kind of crusty mentally. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, you know, so I think, you know, that's, that's going away and, you know, and we're, and work is bruised. And, and I kind of think this is, I personally like it, but um, you know, I don't like that these things happened, but you know, the rise of the me too stories that we've heard, uh, you know, the, the things that have surfaced, the treatment of employees, the, the stories that have surfaced. There was one here just not that long ago of a, a manager at a convenience store, all captured on text, giving an employee a hard time who needed to be off because her son was on life support. Yeah, I Those saw that. Those sorts of things. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's always happened. It's now in our face. And it shows us right in our face that work is broken, is bruised. And, it, you know, the day of reckoning is, is, is in our face. The day of reckoning is here. Um, I yeah. hate that those things happened, but I think they serve a, a purpose, a bigger purpose. Many of you know that I don't let HR off the hook for bullying, harassment, Me Too, the wage gap, or a whole host of problems that have plagued the world of work. So I asked Robin, point blank, if HR is part of the problem, why work is broken? You know, I I think yes, um, and I think again, sort of with the rise of these stories, you go to any message board or news site where these stories are being told, and ninety nine percent of the respondents, you know, are feel that same way. Oh, where was HR? Where was the boss? Where was this? Where you know what happened with this company? And I think HR has has been part of the problem. Is part of the problem primarily because. HR doesn't know where to place itself in the conversation. Historically, you know, HR, I think there's two pieces to that. HR has been very insular, you know, um, looking inward, um, sitting in the HR department, looking at each other. Do we have enough, you know, candy bowls on our desk? And, mm -hmm. you know, are we getting our benefits done? Then HR started to know the business, which you know, kudos to HR because we, you know, we've been talking about that years ago. Yeah, right. I, you know, we've overcome that. You know, I, I think I see a lot of HR professionals that understand the business. Now they need to, HR needs to also understand the world, you know, political, social, economic, tech, whatever it may be. So I think that's one of the, one of the reasons HR is a problem. Another reason is HR historically has sort of sat at this juncture and I hear it all the time and I'm sure you do too 
where HR professionals will say, well, you know, I have this really difficult line to straddle. Um, I have to balance that fine line between the needs of the business and the needs of the employees. And that's sort of been a cop-out for HR. And is there some truth to that? Yes. We are here to to serve the business. We have, you know, goals and metrics and objectives that we have to meet and all that sort of thing. But being an advocate for the business and being an ad for, advocate for the employees, uh, it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah, you know, you can right. do, do both. And I think that's where HR people struggle is not going enough sometimes to the employee side. With so many people having so many battles with HR or the mere fact that many HR teams seem indifferent to workplace suffering, why should anybody care about human resources? One of the things that I always say to HR, my HR peers, um, but I also remind our employees all the time, is um, your HR team, your HR staff in your organization, um, are also, they're also your coworkers. They are also people. They have, they have souls. They have <laughs> personalities. Yes. They, they may not show it at work. Um, <laughs> and I, I encourage HR people to, to show their personalities at work. It's okay. You know, laugh, joke, have fun. You know, tell everybody you went and got a new tattoo. Whatever. Be a human being yourself if you work in HR. But I think employees and, and, and job seekers, you know, we have a bad um, bad rap to overcome in HR, but I think they should care because most HR people, here's again where I'm optimistic. Have I run into the, into the bad ones? Of course. But I, I truly believe most HR people have gotten into HR, perhaps in, uh, initially misguided, thinking it was going to be sunshine and, and, and lollipops. Um, and taking care of people, and then you have to do the hard work. But most people that got into HR did so with a good heart. I asked Robin to describe her favorite part of HR and why that part matters. My favorite part has always been recruiting. Because I think it is one of the happiest times, the happiest interactions that Absolutely. you have with people. Absolutely. You're changing your life. Yeah, yes. right. And, and if we can... Um, if we can bottle that, if we look at the spectrum of what HR does, if we can bottle that feeling that you can get when you're when you're recruiting and you're helping people find a job um, with your organization, if we can bottle that and do that even when we're helping people navigate open enrollment or we're helping them navigate a, a workplace disagreement with their coworker or manager. If we keep that in our mind, you know, that changes how, how we're doing HR. And that, again, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but that bit by bit changes people's perception of HR when there's a sense that that HR lady sitting there um, really does care about me. She doesn't just have a box, you know, bowl of candy and a pack of Kleenex on her desk to feed herself. Um, wait, wait, she although really... she might, if she's me, <laughs> she might. <laughs> All right. 
I shared with Robin that I have no favorite part of human resources and personally struggled to make a difference when I worked in the trenches of human resources. I wonder, how does she make a difference? When I find myself in those situations and where I think HR can can make the difference. And this gets very, very, you know, granular. This is totally on the micro level. This is yeah, I love it. this is this is one person at a time. This is doing HR for one person at a time. But I see a lot of my my role and, and my team does the same thing. Um, we listen to the voice of the employees. Um, and, and I'm very fortunate in that we internally we have a really good reputation uh, as HR, I think, on our property. And, um, and we are very approachable. We have people in here constantly. Uh, employees, sometimes just to talk, they want to ask a question, they want to vent, um, and they come here because it's a safe, sp- safe place for them to come and we listen. And so, yeah, a lot of it becomes anecdotal, but we're a small, I have 450 employees. I'm not talking a huge enterprise. So I can gather these sort of anecdotal stories. I see my role as translating that human condition, if you will, Mm -hmm. to the rest of the leadership team. When we're looking at doing X, um, we're going to make this change. We're going to implement this policy. We're going to um, do whatever. Um, I find myself speaking on behalf of the employees as part of those conversations. Now, I bring those stories with do I think this is good, bad, and different? Here's what this might cost us. Here's what this could lead to. Here are the unintended consequences if we would do this, but here's why I'm bringing it up. Let's have this conversation. And I think I think HR people need to have the courage sometimes to bring those stories of reality to other leaders. As all of you know, Let's Fix Work is based on a philosophy that we fix work by fixing ourselves. Bring your best self to work, and you don't even need HR. At least that's what I think. I asked Robin, am I being naive? Do we need HR? I I, I think you're being naive. Um, (laughs) You know, I know I'm being naive. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need a new kind of HR. Um, And and part of me also wants to, I don't don't know the answer. I want to find a new... I want to find a new name to some degree, but, you know, HR will always be there. Um, Traditional HR, as we've grown to know and love it, will always be there. And it's the unsexy, foundational, functional, compliance piece of HR. Even people bringing their best selves to work are going to be, you know, messy and drama filled and um, perhaps not doing things in alignment with either, you know, legal requirements or whatever. Um, So there's always going to be some need for somebody to oversee the, you know, the alphabet soup of regulations that we, that we have. And, and I think sometimes. Wait, wait, you can't, I was going to say, you can't automate that like to some extent, like, well, there are solutions uh, out there now that automate some of this. I mean, there are, and, and, you know, we, um, FMLA, uh, as an example, you know, we have, um, we use, we use a third party administrator to handle FMLA. Um, 
which I love because I don't have to get into everybody's business. I don't have to see their healthcare provider forms. Mm-hmm. All I know is they've applied for leave, you know, third parties handling it, dealing with the doctors, getting all the, I just know Sally Sue has been approved to be off for X period of time. Um, however, yes, that's automated. Yes, it's an 800 number they call. But back here at the workplace, there are issues that as a human being, I inter- I. I get involved with because they're uncertain. They're afraid. They're not sure what this means. What's the interplay between this very automated, fairly smooth FMLA application and approval process and the reality of how, when and how they can come back to work and what that transition is going to be like. So there's always a human element, even in the most automated compliance piece. So I think that part of HR will always be there, but I, I see HR splitting into, you know, sort of this administration side, the compliance, administration, payroll, benefits, whatever. And then there's the kind of talent and people side. Again, I don't know what we call it. I'm kind of over the word talent, but I use it all the time anyway, because everybody else does. Well, yeah, um, and you're right. Not everybody's talented or they're talented yeah. on the spectrum. They're talented at work and maybe not their personality or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. But for now, you know, it's what we call it. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I think under that <laughs> under that umbrella, you know, resides the some of the things we're doing now, you know, recruiting, performance management, L&D, um, learning and development activities, you know, growth and, and, and um, you know, expanding the capabilities of people that kind of lies under there. I think then there's there's a third piece that that sort of lays somewhere in the middle and that's the data and analytics piece and i and i think that lies somewhere in the middle doesn't necessarily go under either umbrella but has to work with both of them and work with the business and work you know um pull in the you know the operational data and the economic data the things that are out in the community and the other factors that come into any sort of planning and um strategy and growth things for the business. So I think HR will still be there. And I'm, I always think about what's it going to look like? You know, we're, we're focused on now a lot of tools and processes and automation and tech. And, you know, I, I love all of that and that's valuable, but here's, here's where the hard work is. And, and even, those more innovative organizations, I think, are still struggling with this gets back to the how do we fix work overall. It's that mind, sh- mind shift for leaders, for managers, for employees. It's the mind shift piece and it's how do we, um, how do we treat people. Peace. Yeah. When I think about the future of work, I'm pessimistic. I'm pessimistic about HR, employment options, and just about everything else out there. There's an old model of human resources that exists where one person called an HR generalist or a business partner does all the emotional labor and generally waits around for things to go wrong. When Robin thinks about the future of work in HR, I wonder what she thinks about what HR roles are going to be there and what's going away. When I, when I think optimistically, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, I think it is, um, I think we're poised. Um, it's come up on us two 
too quickly. But I think we are poised. I think that there are more and more HR people that are poised to make a shift. Um, so it's a matter of those HR, those kind of those, you know, I'm just going to say that that middle tier, it's, it's your maybe senior, you know, very senior people, they're HR generalists, but they're in a large enterprise. Um, how do they make the shift? And they, they have to start thinking, what does that new model of HR look like? And so it becomes, I think, for that person, either developing a specialty, perhaps the HR generalist role. I think the HR generalist role is what's in danger. I don't think HR is in danger. So that HR generalist needs to take a deep dive into a specialty, whatever that may be. Maybe that goes, yeah. you know, to talent acquisition. Maybe that goes to, to you know, technology. Maybe that goes into analytics. Maybe it goes into whatever, recruitment, marketing, whatever. Uh, or into more the OD and L&D sort of, side of the business. But but that HR generalist kind of sitting in the middle, they need to perhaps reskill themselves. And they've got a good functional foundational base from which to do that. But it's almost thinking, you know, what area of HR do I want to specialize in? You know, way back in the day, um, we had a whole lot more talk about HR specialists versus generalists. And now we have this army of generalists that serve a purpose, especially in small organizations where there's a department of one, you have to do it all. But in a large enterprise, that generalist role, yeah, that's, I think that's the role, that's HR that's in danger. Finally, I asked Robin to give us a future vision of human resources and tell us how her career will continue to grow. How does Robin know she's doing good work in the world of human resources and how will she continue to do that in the future? I, I, I actually just recently um, settled on this phrase here within the last week or so. Um, because you and I are very similar in that we yeah, tend to think it. about these things a lot. You know, what do I stand for? What am I, yeah. what do I believe? Um, how can I, how do I know I'm doing good work? Whatever that looks like, you know. And uh, what I've, um, what I've sort of settled on as my next step, um, what that looks like, you know, in, in terms of impact, um, I don't quite know yet. But I. I'm an advocate of the workplace revolution. Um, wait, wait. I yeah. love that. That is so good. Got to yeah. break that down for me. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, that, you know, I am, I'm a supporter of, I'm an, I'm a, an ally of the people who are doing the work. I'm an advocate um, and an ally of, the employees. I'm an ad. I'm an ally of the people we hire. I would not be sitting here if I didn't have all the people in this organization that are doing the actual hard work every day. And I need to be in their corner. I need to be their ally. But uh, the bigger side of things, uh, uh, it's also advocating for the workplace revolution, which sounds very, I don't know, uh, you know, Russia 1918 or something. I don't know, but <laughs> I love um, good looking, you know, things are, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things are changing. Um, things have changed. 
things change a little slower here in South Louisiana, but people are restless. People are anxious. We have opportunities within our organizations to do things in new and innovative and exciting ways and to make people feel fulfilled and to make people feel that they're contributing to the level that they want to. I'm, I'm totally, uh, simultaneously, I'm totally fine with people that have a life outside of work and just want to come in, do their best and walk out the door at five o'clock. That's okay. We need people like that because they're getting, they're getting shit done. But as the workplace is, is, is drastically changing. I want to be there on the sidelines, pushing for the good changes that are coming. Um, and I think HR's role and and what I work to do here with my my GM, my boss, and the other leaders here is to let them know here's what's coming, here are the trends, here's what's happening. So I will go into a, oh, let me pick an issue. We're having trouble recruiting for XYZ position. Well, we always have trouble recruiting for XYZ position, and there are multiple reasons why. But I will go in armed with, you know, here's the latest unemployment. Oh, and in, you know, in our area. Oh, and in the meantime, I've called my competitors, and here's what they're doing. Oh, and I've got all this market research, and I've got this information. Oh, and by the way, the way we have this particular job structured, it's still working for us because we've done it this way for the 25 years the property's been open, but that that's changing. And we may not be ready to change today, but we have to start thinking about it because people have other opportunities. They do not need to come and take our job. So it's having those conversations and educating my team, my managers, my leaders here on the property of what that revolution looks like. Amazing. Well, Robin, I know that you're going to succeed at the forefront of the workplace revolution. (laughs) And I know that a lot of HR professionals follow you and already know where to find you. But so many people who are listening uh, to this episode aren't necessarily in human resources. So can you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? I am uh, I am all over the internet. Um, so sometimes I tell people just to Google me because it's that it works. Um, but robinschooling.com is my blog. Um, that um, sadly I probably write a post a week or so. But um, but the archives uh, are my, strong. Come on now, the yeah. archives are strong. That's uh, right. As is the as the old blog archives are too. Um, uh, LinkedIn, Robin Schooling. I'm on Twitter at Robin Schooling. Um, and, uh, you know, catch me out and about at, uh, at various and assorted events <laughs> throughout the year as well. <laughs> well, I love it. I also want to give a shout out to something that you do called the HR carnival that you organize. Yes. You tell everybody what that is. Mm, I love the HR carnival, um, because it is a voice of really, it's the voice of all these people that we're talking about today. It's the voice of the HR professionals. Um, so the, the HR carnival is a blog carnival. It's been around for, it's in the 11th year. Um, I was thrilled to take the reins. Um, ultimately it was started by, um, you know, some really stellar people. And I've, I've been running it for a couple of years now. And every month we, uh, we have, we have a guest host that hosts the carnival on their blog. And I send out uh, the call for posts and help them coordinate, um, getting other HR bloggers to submit 
recent content. And we just run a whole host of blog posts. So it's a one-stop, quick place for people to go, see what people are talking about. Um, what excites me about it, in the last year or so, we've had just this explosion of new HR bloggers. Well, Robin, I love the HR Carnival, and I'm so glad you had an opportunity to come on the show today. Thanks again for being here. Oh, thank you, Lori. All right. Fun to talk. All right, Robin. We'll see you again soon. And everybody sit tight. We'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. You know I love to brag about my friends. I also like to listen to them. And right now, I'm listening to Jennifer McClure, host of the Impact Makers podcast. Jennifer is connecting with leaders across all industries to figure out how to make a difference at work and in the world. Here's what she's got going on. I believe strongly that each of us has the ability and the opportunity to positively impact people through our work and through how we choose to live our lives. The truth is that you've already impacted people in this world, even if you haven't been trying. I love what Jennifer has to say. And if you like what you're hearing right here on Let's Fix Work, you'll love what Jennifer's talking about on Impact Makers. So go to jennifermcclure.net forward slash iTunes and subscribe today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Robin Schooling, America's HR lady and workforce revolution advocate. Please check the show notes and find out where you can connect with Robin online, on the internet, and everywhere. And feel free to connect with me at L. Rudiman and Let's Fix Work. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, review, and share our podcast and connect with us on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Let's Fix Work. We would love your help and support as we grow and expand the podcast. Let's Fix Work is a production of One Stone Creative, Audra Casino, Megan Doherty, and Gersonde Lefleche. Produce the show and make me sound great. I appreciate all of your support. Thanks again for all of the email messages and tweets and Facebook comments and also Instagram connections. That's all for this week's episode. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Fix Work. Wouldn't you love to get your hands on Lori's no-holds-barred, honest HR handbook for employees and pros alike? Download it for free at lorirudiman.com slash DIYHR.